Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello, and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. It is Thursday, July the 6th, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time, joined as always, by Scott Docterman of The Athletic. We're going to talk some Hawkeye sports here. Um, I was thinking about this this morning because I've been I've been um, fighting off the attraction to a, this new social media platform. I won't say that I don't need it yet because time will tell if I do um, because I use it for work. And if I need it for work, I'll use it. Um, but I don't want another social media platform, Scott. Enough. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Now we got threads. Um, I'm not much on the TikTok or uh, Snapchat or that stuff uh, for work. But I've got uh, multiple that I use for work, and I just I don't want another one. I agree. Uh, I did join to this morning. I didn't even know about it till this morning. I saw that everybody, hey, I joined threads and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll do the same. And cause you know, it's been frustrating dealing with, with Twitter lately, dealing with the whims of the, the wreck of the Elon Musk Gerald. Um, but uh, it, it's just <laughs> been uh, so I, I don't TikTok. I do have it. I don't go on there except for when my wife's like, check this out, which is, about eight to 10 times a day and, you know, sends me a link and some funny video and okay, thanks. <laughs> that's the, that's the, 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 the lion's share of that. I do go a little more on the others, but no, it's, uh, I don't know, man. It, you know, it's the way of the world. I haven't joined Mastodon yet. I don't know if that's a thing or it's gone the way of the Mastodon, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but I'll be on threads. I started and I put posted two things. Um, and, uh, We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what happens here. If uh, you would think that Twitter would figure out how to um, run smoothly, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not confident it will. So uh, we'll see what happens with Threads. I'll probably break down and join it, and then it's kind of like Instagram. Instagram's probably like my third 
uh, platform right now, just because, um, which is weird because I don't, I mean, I take photos. So you would think that I would use that more, but the process of getting the photos on there as it's only a mobile uh, app, I guess I could do it online, but it's a pain in the ass. But mm. anyway, I digress. We'll talk about Hawkeye sports. Hopefully everybody's having a, a grand time on threads and maybe I'll join you at some point. Uh, as per usual, Scott, as we were recording last week's Hotspot podcast, we had a commitment. So there's a good chance if you're watching us on YouTube, keep keep an eye on Twitter and threads because you may, may see some Iowa Hawkeye news. It's kind of uh, it's a tradition like no other here. We record and news breaks uh, during that on our on our beats. But uh, Iowa is now up to is it 18. Commitments in 24? Yeah, we're at 18 right now after last night. So uh, there's been quite a few, you know, in the last, since well, since their main visit weekend, you know, they've had, what, six now? I think it's six, yes. Yeah, and one like the day before. So, so, you know, that's what happens that these things go in waves. And, uh, but this was at least uh, based on their official visits and who they offered, it's, it's been about as productive of a little run as they've had. And, and I think they're not quite done yet. You know, there's three more that visited two more. You you kind of expect, or at least one more seems pretty much imminent. The other one is, uh, you know, they, they're in the driver's seat, I think. And then mm-hmm. one other, one other one is, is probably, a, I won't, I don't know. I mean, We'll just see. <laughs> you know, it could happen. Uh, probably some of it ha- depends on the fall. You know, if they if yeah. eight and zero, oh, then somebody's going to want to hop on that bus. Yep, still room in the class. Um, not a ton of room, but there's room there. And you know, I think as we move along here, we're going to see more roster turnover. Just you know, with the transfer portal, NIL, things like that. So. It's always been fluid, Scott, but it's going to be more fluid now just based on roster needs. Like you may go into this season, 23, thinking, okay, we're set at this spot position and then things change. And now you got to go find somebody in the transfer portal or maybe a, you know, a, um, a late bloomer in this, you know, in the 24 class. You know, there are, there are, I was done a good job of adjusting and I will say this and, I don't want to be um, labeled as a hater by anybody else. Most people, or I won't say most people, there's a faction of people that feel I'm a hater uh, when it comes to Iowa football. But I will say that um, I think the class last I looked was ranked ninth in the Big Ten. So you're talking middle of the pack. I think 247 and on three both include USC and UCLA in the rankings because this class for them, the 24 class, will be the first recruiting class when they join the Big Ten. Rivals doesn't include them for some reason. I don't know why, uh, other than Rivals uh, <laughs> uh, isn't what it used to be, I'll say. Uh, um, yeah. But so – and I had somebody in the mailbag ask, you know, why are they middle of the pack? Why aren't they doing better? This class, and I think there's like dueling narratives here. You have like the people that like, okay, the guys they're getting now are fallback recruits. And I hate that term 
but these are guys that they, you know, a group of these guys, they didn't offer until June. And, you know, so those people are like, well, what happened to the other guys that they had were offering before? Well, they committed elsewhere or they, they like another kid better or things change again, fluid. Um, but the thing is, is if you followed Iowa recruiting and Iowa football for a long time, you realize that the rankings really don't matter. Well, I won't say they don't matter. I think they matter less than maybe they matter elsewhere. And just because you get, you know, Michael Burt and Gavin Hoffman in June doesn't mean they're not going to be better than some of those recruits that they had higher up the board that they offered earlier. So don't get, I guess the message is don't get too wound up in what the rankings are now. Just kind of, you know, especially at the tight end position, trust, trust the judgment there. Um, we could go down the list of guys they've gotten at that position late in the process that have worked out really well and better than some of the kids that they were after earlier in the, a given process that they that went elsewhere. So kind of a convoluted statement there, but I've just noticed there's kind of this, this, it, you, you, it, you're making a mistake. If you, this is my opinion. If you say that these are fallback recruits, I mean, technically they are guys that are farther down the board, but I think it's also somewhat disingenuous to say that Iowa is hot on the recruiting trail because a lot of these kids or a good group of these kids that came in were offered late and came on an official visit and Iowa to its credit closed the deal. So I don't think either one is, you know, completely accurate is what I'm saying, Scott, but I'm okay. I don't stress one way or the other because it's, it's a developmental program. And if they see potential in some, and we could go, we could go down the list too, right? Joseph Anderson, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one year of football, you know, raw talent. We can, I'm sorry, I'm babbling, but we can go down the list. It's, we'll see what happens. Well, it, it really kind of goes to what Iowa has done in this class as to why it's ranked 30th. I think it is. I saw an on three today uh, after getting Rashad Godfrey. And, and I think when you look at their earliest commitments, they're in-state guys from small towns who didn't have a lot of offers because they didn't go to all the camps. They didn't compete in that type of environment. When you have Cody Fox, who's a four-star and Derek Weiskopf, who's a four-star, if they were out there, if they were, Hey, we're going to all the camps and we're going to, and we're getting offer after offer after offer, they're going to zoom up the boards. It's just kind of the way recruiting works. And it's, it's not, cool. I don't like it, but it's the way it works. And so you just got to deal with it. Cam Buffington's another one from a, what, an eight-man school, uh, you know, in Winfield, Iowa. And Preston Reese is a dual threat everything at Monticello. And they all committed a year ago plus. So they're guys that you just look and say, you know, they're not going to blow up on the scene. They're the guys that they secured immediately. And then you go kind of down the list and uh, from there and there, there were guys that started getting offers in the spring and there were competitive offers. Um, and then there's some guys that you just look at them and you watch them. And, you know, whether it's Devin Kennedy, Jimmy Kennedy's kid who um, just started playing one year of football or um, 
Joseph Anderson, who I think is going to be really freaking good, plays for a team that was one and nine last year and um, has all the tangible gifts you're looking at, except for, yeah, I add about another 50 pounds, which I was capable of adding on to somebody like that. Um, I like a lot of the aspects here. It is developmental. There's no question. And I think a lot of times when we start grading classes, yeah, it's all about the four and five stars. And then it's about kind of the building momentum around kids that, Hey, they haven't committed yet. And they have Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan state. And then, Oh, here comes Notre Dame with an offer. And, and cause everybody's trying to get the last couple of guys. And next thing you know, then their profile builds and they grow up the ladder. And then, um, you know, so overall, I am not one bit concerned. I think they're what 30th. They'll probably end up somewhere between, I don't know, 30 and 35. Does that sound probably about right with this class? And ninth in the Big Ten, outside of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and USC, is there really a whole lot of difference in the rankings? I mean, yeah, there is, but we'll see what happens on third and five from midfield in the third quarter. That's really what's going to matter. So I, I don't know. I like I like the rankings. I follow them. I think they're interesting, but I also don't follow them so religiously that, man, I can't believe Iowa's only ninth in the Big Ten because, you know, who's in front of them, who's behind them. They're about mid-pack. They're about everywhere you expect them to be. And when you start throwing in, you know, Maryland's always really good because there's a lot of talent in that area. Um, Nebraska always does really well in rankings, but they don't do very well on the field. Now they have a new coach, so we'll see. USC is automatically going to put one spot between them and Iowa. I mean, they're just going to always be higher than Iowa. So am I concerned? No. If they were 12th, I'd be a little bit more down. But I think they've got – look based on the, the what I viewed of these players and just, you know, I mean, tick, you know, huddle videos, whatever, they fit and they're good. And they're good fits. They're better than what Iowa got, say, 10 years ago. You know, when Iowa had that real dip, you know, and they were constantly seven and eight wins, you could see it with the talent disparity. Um, I don't see it with these guys. I think I think there's enough. There's eight to ten starters out of this class, and I think that's pretty cool. And it's important to remember that the rankings are based on what these players do in high school or in combines and things like that. It's not a ranking for them in college. They still have to go to college and produce. And, you know, five-star kids, it's pretty easy to tell. They don't all make it, but you can tell, okay, this kid is this kid has got a really good shot. If, if he stays on the trajectory, he's got, you know, to this point, he's probably going to be at least a starter in college. And then, you know, maybe beyond that, you know, all conference, whatever, uh, and then possibly an NFL player. But we see programs develop NFL players from all over the country at different positions. It's just so hard. There are so many players. I worked for Prep Red Zone for Iowa, and I spent a lot of time watching huddle videos and, and scouting these kids. And there are kids, Scott, that I, I'll pop a huddle video on. He's not, you know, kids maybe got a maybe an FCS offer or something like that. And I'm like, wow, this kid has a chance. There are so many of those kids out there that you could say, you know, the starter kits there, mm-hmm. but where do they go? Do they go to the right college? Do they get the right development? I mean, it's just, it's a really, really difficult formula to go from, you know, high school 
to where are you going to college to how is this this player going to develop? We see it here all the time with guys that are, you know, maybe a three-star behind a four-star or two-star behind a three-star where that doesn't matter once we get to, to college. So um, it's usually, uh, you know, it's an overreaction both ways, right? If Iowa has a class, if Iowa had a class rank number four right now, people would be overreacting to it, and it doesn't guarantee that fourth rank class would be better, any better than the ninth rank class. Well, yeah, I mean, as you know, when you look at the class of two thousand five, the best players were the three stars, <laughs> you know, the two stars. Yeah, you know, those those are the players that shined. Um, when you look at, um, you know, I, I just I remember looking back because I just I wrote this once, but. TJ Hawkinson, small town, wide receiver, going to move inside to play tight end, ranked the number 66 tight end overall by consensus. Number one was Isaac Nada. Fast forward three to four years, TJ Hawkinson was the number eight pick overall in the draft, and Isaac Nada was the seventh round pick of the same team, the Detroit Lions. So, you know, it, it really, you don't know who's going to grow that extra inch, who's going to develop because maybe they didn't get a very good uh, development, you know, when they were at, uh, in high school. Maybe they were in a small town. Maybe they were in a, in a city in a, in a, that didn't have a lot of resources. Maybe they just, you know, they hit a growth spurt. Maybe they were just overlooked, you know, and, and it doesn't take much when, when you look at some of these programs. It's like, hey, we're going to take three offensive linemen. And you've got your three lined up, like Iowa's got its four lined up. But what happens if there's a kid from, take your pick in the small South Central Iowa, and all of a sudden, hey, between their junior and senior year, they grow two inches, gain 20 pounds. And instead of being 6'2", 220, they're 6'4", 240, with the potential to be 6'5", 300. And then all of a sudden, they're Spencer Brown. You know, and they go to Northern Iowa or uh, Trevor Penning, who goes to Northern Iowa and they're, you know, NFL starters. And, and it's like, wow, how did you miss on them? Well, they're late bloomers. They went to single A or eight man schools. Um, it happens all the time in our city. You know, they get overlooked or we we're already full at that position and we don't want our competition to know about them just in case. So it's, it's a weird vibe all the way around with, with, with recruiting and people should know it's like, this is the 25th year in a row where you look at this class and maybe you're not impressed. And then all of a sudden, yeah, uh, Drew Campbell played just like Jack Campbell <laughs> or um, Michael Burt turns out to be just like Sam Laporta. Both were low, you know, three stars with barely any offers. And oh, by the way, they're, you know, two of the top 34 players picked in the NFL draft. You know, it's an inexact science. You're comparing players at a, at a formative stage of their lives. And, um, and then, you know, conversely, you know, there might be somebody who's really polished, you know, and they went to, you know, they went to all the camps and then they played at a, a school with a lot of resources and good coaches. And, and then all of a sudden they've already hit their plateau and they're just guys, you know, but they're, Hey, they're a th- high three-star. They play for a suburban uh, talent, I mean, a ter- team with, you know, their parents can afford all the, the camps and the coaching and, you know, they're just a guy, you know, so, you know, it's so inexact. Honestly, I really like Iowa's class. I think there's there's a couple of players still out there that you kind of wonder about, you know, Titus Crum, you know, from, you know, out in. I was thinking about him yesterday. I was going through some film and I'm like, 
what's going on with this? It's kind of like the kid from, was it Assumption or North Scott that had offers and now he's walking on it in Nebraska in the 23 class? I can't think of his name. I apologize. But I think he had, you know, powerful. He may have had a Nebraska offer with the previous staff and uh, now ends up walking on. And that's the thing. You just, (laughs) there are only so many seats on the bus. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Was that David Borchers? Yes. Okay. I had a new name. Pleasant Valley? Uh, North Scott. North Scott. I knew it was somewhere over there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And... You know, you look, we've talked about the the incoming walk-on class. I'm really high on it. I think that, you know, and you look year after year after year, what they do at safety, you know, offensive line, um, occasionally, you know, a a defensive skilled player, you know, up front or at at linebacker, maybe a wide receiver. You never know. I mean, they're going to, you know, Rusty Van Wetzingen ended up, uh, you know, walking on at Iowa and, and had his full scholarship to go play linebacker. Well, you're going to play at the higher level and you're going to get a chance to play right away. And then of course his brother commits who I think is a really big deal. So, um, but anyway, I, I, there's a lot to me that I think in this class is worth really being excited about. I really like Reese Vandersee, you know, again, far Northwest Iowa, you know, you don't get much further than that. And it was Iowa, Iowa state. Um, you know, I, if I was to compare him to somebody, you know, maybe a, a, a Todd Blythe type who is in, from Indianola, you know, who's in that central Iowa area. So he's going to get a lot more play. But I really like Reese Vanderzee. You know, I mean, you, you can see, all right, he, he might be a Brody Brecht. He might be a Todd Blythe. And if that's the case and he comes to Iowa City, then you got to steal and you got a guy who can start for you for two to three years. That's that's what it's all about. So Brevin Dole, I, I really thought you know, you know, he was kind of injured this spring, but I think he's got a chance to be a special player. And, and you know what, if you miss on somebody, there's always next year. And then there's always the transfer portal. As you said, um, you, the attrition Iowa's had this year has been pretty good. Um, especially since the first kind of exodus in December, but even then, you know, you look at some of the other big 10 schools, it's, it's been heavier. So, I, I think this this program's in a really healthy spot. They're getting the guys they want. And if next year they need to supplement them, they've proven that they will do that. That's what they did this year. It's interesting. Um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And Iowa obviously does its own evaluations and figures out which guys fit best in its program. But, um, and not really a but, but just interesting Um you know, they got two tight ends in this class, but they didn't offer Jacob Simpson from Johnston, who's going to Minnesota. Um, you know, they took offensive linemen in this class, but they don't offer, you know, Kyle Rakers from Dowling, who's going to Kansas State. Um, yeah. So it really, it, that kind of points to they're, they're doing their own evaluations and taking the guys they believe is are going to fit best into the program and help them. Um, and they do I, again, you don't want to go overboard with, you know, every one of these kids is going to develop and turn into, you know, cause it doesn't happen. Iowa, there are guys that we've looked at in past classes are like, this guy could be the next insert the player and it doesn't work out. So, you know, you, you, you evaluate, you do the best you can, but it's an inexact science. And I think I was pretty happy with this class. 
You could certainly see the potential here. And this is, to me, pretty much a standard Iowa class. Raw, some raw talent, some some talent. I mean, Cody Fox to me mm-hmm. is one of the better offensive linemen in the region. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Lemming has said that he's been watching and evaluating guys for years. He loves Cody Fox. So um, again, sometimes, like you were saying, Scott, guys commit early. They're in-state guys, and maybe people don't give them the credit they deserve, but this is a, they did a really good job bouncing back in state after the previous cycle of not doing as well. And uh, I think that'll pay dividends. You got some, some versatile athletes in this class that can project at multiple positions. Um, and that's always good. You can find, you know, where, where they fit best once you get them here. Right. Oh, for sure. You know, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I, Last year was a disappointing year in state, no question. I mean, when you're losing the battleground in central Iowa as badly as it did to Iowa State, you've got some room, you got some ground to make up. And they did. They went right back at it. And, you know, and there are some fascinating guys, as you said, you know, like Jacob Simpson from Johnston, you know, is ranked higher than a lot of guys that you wouldn't be, you know, but, and he's a Minnesota guy now you know, that you didn't have an offer and I didn't really, you don't really hear about him. Grant Bricks is the interesting one to me. And you probably know a lot more than I do on this, but, you know, just never seemed to get a lot of traction with Iowa. And, you know, a lot of schools offered him early. They, Iowa just kind of slow played him. And then next thing you know, um, just fizzled. <laughs> next thing you know, he's got an Alabama offer. Yeah. Right. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, what happened here? You know? So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> you know, it, it's strange, but, but is it possible that Cody Fox could be better? Yeah, for sure. You know, you just don't know. And um, so it's inexact. Uh, you know, I look at the running backs as a, as a really inexact part of this. When you go, what's the difference between Brevin Dahl, between um, him and uh, Xavier Williams, who they, you know, bring in from Indiana, Ty Kozad from Muscatine. Titus Cram. I mean, I know he, he, Cram's kind of could be either side of the ball as well too. Uh, that may be part of what is holding up his recruitment. Yeah. And then you look even at the, at the players that Iowa currently had. Well, I mean, I guess some of the others, you know, like, uh, Preston Reese, what's to stop him from being, you know, he could be on, uh, defensive back he could be a linebacker you know he he could be at Hinkle for all we know you know and, and they're just going to have to figure that out and I think you know what we saw early on with him Weisskopf and Buffington is like let's just get these guys on the bus and we'll figure it out later you know and Weisskopf you feel pretty good about being a linebacker Buffington probably the same thing Reese is a little bit like well, I don't know you know and he's kind of falling down a little bit you know everybody's forgotten about him I think this fall he's going to be remembered pretty fondly in Northeast Iowa high school football. Pretty amazing. Winfield Mount Union with two two FBS level players in this 24 class yeah. on the same team, eight man. That's pretty amazing that they're able to, to do that. Abram Edwards is a yeah. tight end. Uh, son of Clay Edwards right. is heading to Army. I remember those days. I lived in that part of the world when it's him. And I mean, you want to talk about surprising now, just think about what it was 30 years ago when you had Jess Settles and, uh, and Clay Edwards and Burt Lappy who played, I think you and I, and they had a really good point guard named Eric Rawson who went to South Dakota. So <laughs> you talk about a, a terrific 
group of, uh, of athletes in that part of the world. I mean, and that, that was amazing, but yeah, I mean, you know, I know Abram Edwards really wanted, uh, Iowa, you know, he camped at Iowa, a couple of different places. Didn't look like he was going to get that offer. And a lot of it is that they're full, you know, once guys commit, it, it changes the landscape and, you know, or they're waiting on guys to make their mind up. And, and that's just, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, Rob, if, if they pick up, you know, the last couple here, which at least two of them, I, I think one for sure, uh, Jalen Watson, nephew to, to Fred Russell, I think is one that I, that they're going to. Is when's his announcement? The eighth? The eighth. So it's in two days. So Saturday. Uh, Saturday. What's he doing Saturdays? Doesn't he know we need our weekends off before football? (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. You know, it's like, why don't you just do this like Friday morning instead? You know, but um, him, you know, the, the Plano, Texas, uh, you can pronounce it better than I can. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chinny Cheekway? Yeah. Is that right? It reminds me of the wide receiver from uh, Ohio State 15 years ago, you know, Jimmy <laughs> Chequa or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if those two pick Iowa, then they're, you know, they're almost, they're at 20. And then it's Xavier Lucas is the other one. And I think that's the one that could go multiple directions, probably in the Big Ten, unless, and this is what you always have to fear for, for somebody from that part of the world is what happens if, Florida State, Georgia, you know, somebody down there offer, then you might get stuck. And then um, and that's yeah. the that's really the worry on, until December, right? With some of these guys that are from farther away. Yeah. Especially. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rashad Godfrey was, uh, you know, he's unranked so far. Uh, picked Iowa last night. Only one visit you know, had what Boston college and Duke and, and USF, you know, he's from that part of the world and he picks Iowa and, and you feel good about that, but you know, you get into the, in the fall, if he has a good season and somebody looks at him and you know, that's when you're going to be crossing your fingers and stuff. And, and uh, you know, and then James Rezor for, you know, the quarterback from Jacksonville, you got to think the same thing. I mean, he's, he's all in today, but you know, you just got to be, you just got to be cautious. And I think all recruiters are that way because last year that was a real kick in the nuts <laughs> late with uh, Caden Proctor. Cause I think you just got to know that that's part of the game, man. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's signed. And now I don't, I think they can, isn't, did they change the rule where they can get out of the letter of intent? I thought there was a proposal for that. Yeah. I, I if don't the coaching change maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's why, Joe Toussaint's on the move again in yeah. basketball. He's at Texas Tech. So, yep. so uh, yeah, it, anything's possible here. You just – it really comes down to, Rob, taking care of your players once they get there. Do a good job of raising them, you know, making them feel like they're important, that they have good voices in the program. Like right when they get on campus, too. Yeah, you don't want exactly. to break them down into <laughs> – Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. If you know, you know. You want to bring them in – they're young. This is the first time away from home. You want to let them feel wanted. You can do that and still push them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just want them to feel like they're in a great direction. And if they are, they're going to stay with you. You know, you take care of them along the way. If they become a pretty good player, 
all right, find ways to compensate them through NIL and, and, and then give them bigger exposure. You know, ultimately that loyalty works both ways. And most players, most players are not vagabonds. Most players would love to be at the same spot because, you know, if they're in 6 a.m. workouts now, sweating and bleeding and, and getting sprains and, and then through the fall, through the winter, doing it all over again, over and over again, making friends, just make them feel like they're, they're appreciated. And, um, you know, for the most part, you'll feel pretty, they'll feel pretty good about their relationship and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to make this a 40 to 50 to 60 year commitment of their lives. Just going through here uh, for people's um, knowledge that don't follow recruiting very much. Uh, we were talking about the team rankings earlier uh, on 247. This varies, too, based on the amount of commitments you have. So it's really can kind of switch pretty quickly. Now that we're this far along in 24, there's less movement. But especially early on, there's more movement. Uh, your, your top four teams. Yeah. Recruiting wise, two four seven, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Penn State. I would expect that to be the top four most years. Mm-hmm. And you look at it according to two four seven, Ohio State has four five stars and eleven four stars. They have fifteen of their uh, fifteen of their seventeen verbal commitments are either four or five stars. Scott. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, and then you got Michigan with 25 commits already and 17 or four stars. So, (laughs) you know, it's, what do you do? You know, you just, but it doesn't guarantee their class is going to be, you know, you see the the gap between where that class is now and where Iowa is. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance by the time this class is done that Iowa closes that gap. And that's how Iowa has been able to compete. Well, for sure. And, you know, and, and for the most part, I think I like the average a little bit better for, you know, average ranking or whatever. Yeah. Even more than the total points, because that's kind of, you know, OK, so Minnesota has 24 commits. Iowa has has 18. So therefore, you know, but then you look at the average number and Iowa's higher. In, in the end, it doesn't really freaking matter. It just matters on, you know, does Jack Campbell intercept that pass and is Riley Moss tip it? You know, <laughs> that's really what matters. And, and it's hard to d- distinguish that in, in this type of environment. I really think, uh, <clears throat> though, yeah, it, when you look at Ohio State, how many of those guys are going to end up staying at Ohio State for through the either A, the NFL draft or through the end of their career? They're uh, more like Kentucky and Duke in basketball. Yeah. I mean, they just get these guys, they leave early and then they just reload with more of these guys. Yeah. And they got 17. Let's say they get up to 20. Let's say they had um, one in each category or something like that. So they get to 25, maybe six or three year guys. Eh, let's say five, um, seven or, or four year guys, um, you know, NFL caliber and eight probably leave. You know, just something yeah. like that. It's uh, Always, you know, there's one in Iowa now. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Caleb <laughs> no. Brown, you know, a four-star wide receiver. You know, and is it because he's a washout, or and or is it because hey, uh, you know, I just didn't like it. You know, that that's hard to say. I mean, you know, you just it's in and again, it's an evaluation, right? He may feel he may be in that receiver room, and he may be practicing saying, "I'm better than some of these guys that are ahead of me," but the Ohio State staff is like, "No, you're not." So what do you do then? You look for another place and hopefully you get, you know, that opportunity. 
Yeah, and and I'll, I'll say this, that uh, when you look at Marvin Harrison and Abuka ahead of you, um, and you think you're better, you might want yeah. to work a little He may not better. think he's better than those guys, but maybe a little nice, maybe yeah. elsewhere on the depth chart. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he doesn't feel he's better than Marvin Harrison. That would be um, delusional. Yeah, right. I, I would not. I would not uh, take. I would. I would question a lot of his sanity and his <laughs> and his uh, thoughts on that. Uh, for but pretty much anything, you know, if he says, "Hey, you know, Cade McNamara is a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud," I'd be like, "You said you're better than Marvin Harrison." You know what's going to be interesting if USC can expand its recruiting into the Midwest. I mean, they 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 get kids from around here. But I'm wondering now with UCLA, USC more than UCLA, obviously, it's a better program. But I'm wondering if they're going to start, you know, coming into Chicago, you know, starting to go in Ohio, Michigan. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what USC can do, a blue blood. You don't, you know, we'll see what Texas and uh, Oklahoma do in the SEC. They, I mean, they recruit at such a high level anyway, just like USC, but if they can expand that footprint, their footprint, man, that makes them even more dangerous. Yeah, it does. I'm what I'm most anxious about out of all these realignment moves is with USC in particular, because it is a blue blood, you know, at least Oklahoma and Texas are kind of in their own footprint. Yeah, you know, the, the the south, the southeast part of the country, in their case, southern part of the country. USC is going to have to come to the Midwest and play, and Mid East and everywhere else, and and ha- at least once or twice they're probably going to have to play in rough weather. And you know, how are those players going to handle going to Camp Randall, to Kinnick Stadium, to Minnesota, Illinois, wherever, um, <clears throat> Nebraska, in it's not uh, warm anywhere in November. Right. In <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, last year at Minnesota was the most miserable day I can ever remember. I mean, that was just, ugh. and it, it just floored me, you know, just mentally trying to wrap my mind around the fact that two miles away, there's this beautiful $2 billion dome. And uh, we're outside where all these college kids are playing when it's the wind chills. Wait till USC or UCLA re- re- ends up in the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> some tells me that they would rather pick a six and six Rutgers or Maryland over a nine and three UCLA or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure the holiday bowl will get back in that, although they hate UCLA and they're sued UCLA. So yeah. that one might not happen, but, um, but anyway, you know, that's when you, you somewhat the rankings you throw out the window, Rob, you know, when, when, you know, four-star tackle from Arizona goes up against three-star um, defensive end from Cedar Falls, Iowa, and it's third and five, and it's one degree outside. Who's tougher? That's what it comes down to. Because if you've both been well coached, if you both have good talent, and you both have good technique, then who's tougher? Repeatedly, over and over and over and over again, and and so I and that that's what Iowa bases it on. That's why Iowa takes you know offers low and rates and tangibles very very high, higher than everybody else, and and it's really worked for them. You know, when it's it's one of those things where you know I, I think uh, you know somebody I was talking to, I think it was Kirk actually talked about how we'll overlook an inch here, an inch there, and maybe that's. You know, but we figure it'll win us most games. Now, the ones where it doesn't is when a money hooker, as a new player, jumps up with both hands. If he jumps up with one, maybe he tips a ball and they beat Penn State. You know, stuff like that. So it, 
anyway, there's a small margin for error and there's a small margin for victory. And, you know, playing in the big 10, it's, it's not easy for anybody. And, and I think uh, when you look at these rankings, you'll see you're not, you're, you're, you're swimming with the big fish here and you just got to make sure that you're a piranha. I've got a little insight on this class, Scott. I, uh, so I do the prospect podcast and last year I got caught. I waited too long. I couldn't get everybody in the class or, or the people in the class that are willing to do it. Some kids beg, you know, tap out, don't want to do the podcast. I get that. Um, but I wanted to start this summer with this 24 class. So where do you start? Cody Fox, right? He's the yeah. first commitment in the class. Mr. Howe, I respectfully <laughs> uh, decline my my invitation. I'm not a podcast guy. And I was like, cool, Cody, I appreciate your honesty. Um, down the road, I'll interview you and we'll do a written story. He's like, cool, that's perfect. That's what I'm into. Great. Um, so we went to Michael Burt, the new tight end from Omaha. I thought that was an interesting story you can uh catch that podcast on our feed grew up a nebraska fan like a big nebraska fan um and chose the hawkeyes over nebraska and uh it was interesting just talking about you know his uncles and stuff are, are gonna have this this uh you know this conflict now they've got all this nebraska gear but next year um and he said Michael said he will be in Lincoln Black Friday, decked out in black and gold. So, wow. um, cool story. And I, I would encourage people to check out. He's a good, good basketball player, good baseball player, really good baseball player, really good all around athlete. Um, good size. Uh, I think they got a good one there. And I th- and I like Gavin Hoffman too. I think they did really well at that position. I did too. And. I, I thought, you know, you also had what Eric Carner, who picked kind of a shock, picked Texas A&M as like sign on scene. That went uh, quick too, man. I that just I that one hit me out of nowhere. But I should know uh, better than that. In yeah, my- <laughs> that was an NIL move. It sounds like yeah, at least a, lot, a heavy part of it. But <clears throat> but you know, you look at the two the films of those guys, and you see the starter kids. You see the potential, and that's really what Iowa's about because Iowa. You know, as much as people want to think, well, why can't you go out and get X, Y, Z? It just doesn't work that way. Those are funny, right? Well, why wouldn't a tight end want to play at Iowa? Well, I get that. Yeah. But maybe they're not, maybe it's not a good fit for them. Yeah. I mean. Or maybe there's a bunch of money down in College Station. Yeah. (laughs) You know, or, (laughs) you know, a couple of years ago, I was really questioning it, you know, when, uh, what, uh, the two Bellevue kids yeah. went to Auburn and in Oklahoma. I thought, man, that's, ugh, that's weird. But, um, you know, I, I think overall, if you just, you just got to look at, at, at your best opportunities and Michael Burt, as you said, what a, what a mature decision to make, you know, because when you play, when you go with your head over your heart, that really is a smart move. And he, uh, you know, Iowa was in on him early, you know, you could tell the story a lot better than I can. And yet, even though he loved this team growing up, that was the best fit for him. And uh, he got an offer, he even had a visit and he still picked Iowa. So that's a very mature decision. And, and I think overall, you've got to, you know, a lot of these kids and even the ones that grew up Hawkeye fans and go somewhere else. I mean, they're not supposed to be ostracized guys. You know, they're picking the best ones for them. And, and Nebraska uh, did get a good in-state tight end. 
and yeah. Carter Nelson. So yeah. they, every and Minnesota got Jacob Sisson. So all the yeah. teams that used the tight end yeah. in the big, t- the current Big Ten West have done pretty well at tight end in this recruiting cycle. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be. I think Iowa's probably pretty happy with what they've got. They'll probably work on a few others just as a. Hey, let's just follow this guy. Maybe he's a preferred walk-on. Maybe if uh, they blow up this year, we'll we'll really take a, a close look at him and and go from there. And um, but overall, I, I think I think they had a pretty solid group. I I, I mean, quarterback's going to make the group. I don't, you know, we know how fast Jacob Reeser is, but you know, it, it, he picked Iowa at a very uh, low ebb in, in in recruiting and stuck with them and so i think there's but will he be good we don't know that and that's the thing too scott you've i mean people think that okay we got the verbal commitment we're good no you've got whatever it is five months left to december you got to keep recruiting these kids you got to still keep selling them and i think a big part with reaser and i'm not saying he's waffling or he's going to go somewhere else or you know but there's a potential that he has a good senior year and schools closer to him come in uh nil things like that um but a big part will be i was showing progress on offense this year and showing him hey you know this is the direction we're heading in you can see how you fit into this and uh that all helps yeah for sure um and you know as you mentioned a lot of times what when you te- when there's kind of a I don't know if it's an outlier if you want to call Iowa an outlier in Jacksonville Florida but it kind of is um, for a position like this then teams in that region whether it's SEC ACC or otherwise will look at it and say okay it's between us and Iowa we can just show a little bit here you know here's our offense that fits you a little bit better and then go in and try to steal and especially when you miss when they miss out on a guy or they're still looking, maybe they like him better than one of their guys, you know, just it's recruiting is a never ending cycle. So um, a team could lose a player to injury or the transfer portal and say, Hey, let's go after reason. He's he's our guy now. So got to do that, man. You got to still recruit to the end. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, when you look at, you know, in Iowa, this case, you know, quarterbacks from Alex Padilla to Carson May to Marco Lainez, you know, probably looked and said, all right, Spencer Petrus is graduating and uh, that'll be my turn. And then all of a sudden, no, they're going out and they're getting Kate McNamara and, and you're going to have to deal with it. You know, he's our number one. And then, you know, Padilla leaves, which, you know, that happened actually before everything, before the bowl game, you know, Joey Labus, uh, you're going to have to compete. Deacon Hill come on in, you know, and he committed to Fordham on Christmas and yep. Iowa kept recruiting him. So, you know, there's just a lot uh, there for, you know, you just, you have to be aggressive and Iowa has been aggressive. You know, that there's a, there's kind of a misnomer here attached to, to Iowa at times with, with recruiting. And you look at the, the players they picked up. I mean, Deshaun Parker, he committed to Virginia. They were, they were still on him. They snagged him. Deacon Hill, they needed a backup quarterback. He went to, you know, he was going to Fordham from Wisconsin. No, they were on him too. So they, they're pretty tough on some of this. I mean, Rusty Seth Kidd, Anderson away from hometown Georgia Tech. Right. He's an Atlanta kid. Well, you know, played with, uh, well, was right there with Tyler Goodson's high school and was able to get him there. Caleb Brown, 
You know, nope. Ohio State made sure he didn't go to Oklahoma or Texas A&M. He's stuck here. Um, you know, Rusty Feth, first day on the market. They were in they were in check. Nick Jackson, Iowa and Oklahoma. That's pretty fucking good. And I know some, you know, I don't, and I'm not trying to tout Iowa or anything like that because we can be negative if we want to. But, but damn, look at that class. Look at the guys they got. Eric All, are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, he's an NFLer. So Iowa went after these guys, got them. They turned their offense around. Um, they got, they needed a linebacker in the worst way, and they went and got one of the best ones available. They did a good job. And so, yeah. And I thought they used the transfer portal excellently. If that's a word, is excellently a word? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> by addressing your positional needs. And I think that's how you do it going forward. We need a, we need a couple receivers, need a couple offensive linemen. Yeah. Need a uh, veteran tight end. Right. Bring back three of your veterans, um, at two on defensive line and one at, at wide receiver. They need to be compensated through NIL. They were, you know, so now you're, you're looking at this going, okay, they know that they're stabilized. It had in the past before NIL, before the portal became the portal, you're looking at an uphill climb. You're looking at, um, okay, you got some pieces to fill on defense because Lucas Van Ness is going to the NFL and, and Noah Shannon and Joe Evans and John Wagner are off. And then, you know, well, how do you fill Jack Campbell and Seth Benson? You know, well, you got Jay Higgins, but then who? And, you know, on offense, no Nico Ragaini, Brody Brecht's playing baseball. Who else are you going to get? I mean, you know, you're begging junior college guys at that point to come in and play. Uh, offensive line, you know, quarterback for crying out loud. They were able to go out and get it and execute, execute a plan. And for the most part, from the one, the players I've met, Rob, I think they fit Iowa. I think they're, they're exactly what Iowa wants. So, um, you know, kudos to them. Of course, it doesn't matter until they're in happy Valley in September, you know, in September or when they're playing at camp Randall and then Minnesota is a close game at Kinnick and they got to extend their, you know, beaten with Minnesota's ass streak since at home since 1999. You know, those are the that's what it really shows up. But for this point, you've got to you got to give them an A for this offseason, you know. And um we'll touch on this real quick because we'll have plenty of plenty more time to talk about this young man. But as we talked about with Cody Fox. The first man is on the bus in the 2025 class in Joey Van Wetziga, who Scott mentioned his older brother, Rusty. Um, his dad, Rusty, is the coach at Pleasant Valley. Mm. Um, Joey's been a guy whose film I've watched, you know, because I heard about I've heard I heard about him last when he was a freshman. I'm like, really? At a at a 5A? But just I encourage people to put the huddle film on and uh I think center, defensive tackle, we'll see. He's got half of his high school career left. Doesn't matter. Um, you get that guy on the bus and then figure out where the seat is after that. Uh, really good start to 25. Love this kid. Iowa was his only offer. And to your point earlier, Scott, no matter what he does the next two years, he's probably going to fly under the radar from a recruiting standpoint because he's already committed to the home state, home state school. 
Yeah, the, he kind of reminds me of a player who was from about 10 miles up the road who uh, did pretty much the same thing was Iowa, between Iowa and Iowa State and then decided, ah, I'll just stay home and wear number 65 and then go be the best center in the country and be a first-run draft pick because he's got that same kick-ass mentality and he's got the same tenacity and toughness and probably can get bigger <laughs> than even Tyler Linderbaum can. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the first thing Kirk looks at, if he sees center, that's where he's going. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's hard to, if he's around, that's where the direction it's going to go. But uh, yeah, I love the kid. And and I, on, and honestly, you know, I played against Rusty, his dad in high school, his dad. Was oh, you did? Kid. I didn't know that. You yeah. may have mentioned that before. I think you did. Yeah. Pleasant Valley, you know, he it was a pretty good year for the Mac. I mean, Tavian Banks and Bettendorf were pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so there's some other players. I'm not going to get into glory days and shit, but <laughs> but, uh, but I will say this, that if his dad was about three inches taller, he had been playing Big Ten football and not being All-American at Augie. He was he was a badass in a lot of different areas. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And And I know a few years ago, you know, I had a conversation with him about some players and, you know, he pretty much said, yeah, my son, Rusty's, you know, college player, but Joey's the one that's going to be the really, you know, the, outstanding one so getting them both there's no problem with that plus the quad cities are going to be a battleground with Bielema you know yes. and you know that's not that far from Champagne. he's from Prophetstown he's gonna he's attacking the state like nobody has in that position so saddle up and go get your guy and they did and and uh you know in six years you're you know you're gonna see him on a on a Thursday night on NFL Network and we'll see what uh, we'll see how Iowa does uh, with the other top players in state for the twenty five. You got Nick Brooks uh, from Kennedy, offensive lineman, uh, Thomas Meyer, tight end from Clear Lake, and Malachi Curvy from Waukee uh, are three of your top in state guys in the twenty five, along with Van Wetzinger. Yeah, Curvy's going to be a tough one. I would say I probably would see him Brent Curvey's kid. Iowa State uh, probably has a (laughs) has a in uh, has an in there I would say. Yeah so I don't know if you know who knows you know go after him see what happens and or at least you know let him say no early and move on you know I mean don't waste your time but but make sure that if there's an opportunity you know give it a shot see what happens Uh, you know we've seen it before I mean uh, you know, players, you know, from Michael Burt to whoever, you know, go, go, go get your guy. Yeah, no doubt. We'll see how this class comes together. And we'll talk more about that as we move forward here. Uh, probably a good time to take a break here. We've been rolling on the recruiting, um, but we'll take a break here and then come back and talk some other Hawkeye centric storylines. Um, Want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from systems unlimited celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. Thanks so much to Systems Unlimited for the work they're doing and supporting the podcast. We're going to hear from a few more of our sponsors and be back on the other side with more Hawk Talk. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. 
Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we're back on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. Where we want to go, the gallery at the John Deere Open, or John Deere Classic, excuse me, yesterday, Scott, on Wednesday, July the 5th, the Pro-Am. Caitlin Clark did her uh, Arnold Palmer impression. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get a chance to watch much because I'm kind of knee-deep in this series of about five stories I've been I got two of them done yesterday. But Damn work getting in the way of I entertainment. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the gallery following her around, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, on a smaller scale and albeit local scale, it's Tiger Woods-esque, you know? I mean, she is. It's just amazing. You, you, think, you look at the thing at the iCubs yesterday. It's amazing. You know, what, what it was like when she went to Nebraska, you know? And, yeah. I mean, they averaged like 6,000 fans and 14,000 showed up. And then after the game, two out, you know, 2,000 fans are still there 45 minutes after the game getting autographs and pictures. And half of them are in red. You know, just she is the most transcendent athlete in our lifetime at the University of Iowa. There have been great, there are great athletes. And I'm not going to say Jack Campbell's not a great athlete or Spencer Lee isn't or Keegan Murray obviously is. And, all those players, I mean, you feel lucky to have covered them and watched them. But she moves the needle in a direction that nobody can match. And she is she's somebody that just changes conversations, the game. Everybody wants to see her in action doing anything. It's remarkable. And um, it's a lot of fun. And no matter what happens this year, you know, no matter if it's they win it all or they fall short. She is, she's a figure you just can't take your eyes off of whether she's playing golf or, or taking a logo three. Yeah. And I don't doubt the reports from down there that she signed autograph after autograph after autograph uh, down at the, the uh, classic uh, that she, you know, interacted with fans. She just continues to, to carry herself in such a, it's a professional way, I guess, for lack of a better term. She cares, and she's doing so much for um, women's athletics. It's just uh, the impact she has. That's why when you, when, you know, when I, and I agree with you, when you talk about her legacy at Iowa, how enormous it's going to be is it's, it, it's beyond Iowa. It, it's national. It's worldwide. It's it's incredible to see. And uh, just the way she handles it to me is, is amazing. She does not, you don't hear anything 
you know, her getting upset with some people that are, you know, requesting her time. She does it. She understands the importance of what she's doing. She's the perfect role model for sports. Not, not just women's sports, not just women's basketball, but sports, period. And she handles herself just professionally in a way that I, I don't, I don't know that you can expect anyone to handle herself the way she does. She's effortless. It's fluid. There's no, you know, there's fun banter. It's not forced. I mean, you know, I don't know how to run out. I'm going to run out of superlatives here to describe her, but um, there's just nothing that she does that, you know, is wrong. And, you know, on the court, she gets feisty. And so what? Let her. <laughs> well, I do. I'll throw a club, you know, when I'm on the golf course, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll say an F word if I miss a shot in course, let alone basketball, you know, so it's, uh, you know, I, I, she's remarkable and, you know, when you go and, and I've, I heard anecdote after anecdote about her from way back that, you know, at Ohio State, there'll be girls, you know, in, in Buckeyes t-shirts, but they want Caitlin Clark to sign it. And uh, because even though she's uh, the opponent, they're cheering for her. And I had, you know, a Nebraska fan when all, all hell was breaking loose with the with <laughs> Nebraska fans and me over the Caitlin Clark's experience. You know, I had a woman say, this is stupid. I'm wearing red, but I am cheering for 22. And it's just, you know, that's transcendent. That's something that is unusual. She's, you know, I mean, at at the women's college sports level, she's Michael Jordan. And, you know, just, I I don't know. I think Nike needs to still come out with the air logos, but. (laughs) (laughs) I had the early, uh, earlier experience with her. I think that I've mentioned on the podcast before where I, uh, saw her play at city high her senior year when she was at Dowling and interviewed her in the old gym uh, at city high after that, that's where their locker room was. And I had my youngest with us, Audrey. And uh, I forget how old she was at that time. She was probably eight or nine at that time. And I got done interviewing and Audrey was standing there next to me and she recognized her, said, Hey, how you doing? You like basketball? You know, just she could have just been done with my interview and just kind of said, hey, thanks and walked away. But she took the time to see that there was a young girl there. And this was before she was, you know, a household name. And so it's not something she's just developed now. I think it's something that's in her. Yeah, I I look at her. The only other athlete that comes to mind is Niall Kinnick. I mean, we know the stories, obviously, he was he born and died before we way before we were born but you know you you think of the stories the impact that he had that he was making that he would have had beyond that and I look at at Caitlin Clark and I think just similarly you know just you know not only in the sports arena she's going to be great she's probably going to be an Olympian at some point she's certainly going to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft when that happens but the charisma that carries her and the, the, just the, you know, she could have a career well beyond basketball when that time comes. And maybe that is in the political environment. Maybe it's not, but she handles herself so well that she could, she could do anything with her life. And it's, uh, and she resonates with so many fans that there's not a fan who meets her who has a bad experience. And if they do, it's probably their fault. Yeah, really, what's the knock on her, Scott? It's that it's the way that she 
gets into it, the emotion she shows on the court. And that's take, that's bullshit anyway. I mean, they want, yeah. what do they want her to just not react um, to, you know, and I get it. The stuff with the, you know, with, with the, you know, the face thing, whatever the hell that yeah. was and all that. And I get it. Some people don't like that. They're old school. They just do your, you know, do. I enjoy that. I enjoy the emotion. I enjoy, you know, athletes that are, emotionally invested and competitive the competitiveness in caitlin clark i think is probably under i don't think people understand how competitive she is absolutely and and for all of the niceties about her as a person off the floor she's a killer on it she will put you in the grave over and over and over again in any way possible that she can on the court and, uh, you know, it was interesting listening to Haley Von, Van Lith um, talk about that moment, the, the whole you can't see me stuff. And that was actually to, that wasn't to her. That was to the trainer. But it looked like it was to her. And, you know, and like the Angel Reese stuff, uh, you know, I don't I'll let Caitlin handle the way she wants to handle it. The only thing I didn't like was, hey, at the end of the game, you're kind of shoving somebody's nose and shit. You know, so you just kind of want talk talk all you want during the game, but but when it's over, just kind of let them up easy type of thing, and that didn't happen there. But other than that, hey, that's part of the game. No need to get too big. It got way blown out of proportion, I thought. And so, um, but overall, you know, and and you, you spill that over into tickets. Like uh, I've mentioned before, you know, my my wife is is a season ticket holder, and I renewed them. Um, you know, it was. 50 extra bucks this year for two tickets yeah let's transition into that conversation scott that was announced last week i think it was after we got off front was it friday friday was the day you could renew okay i I don't remember talking about this last week though that they had i'm trying to remember when did that come out came out on june 30th which was friday so it was after we recorded last week i didn't think we had talked about the new uh, men's basketball tickets remain the same. Women's took, you know, went up to me. Um, so you're looking at 195 for adults for new customers, yeah. uh, 160 for faculty and senior citizens, 75 for youth. The renewal price 175 for adults, 140 faculty, 60 for youth on renewal. Um, to me, still a bargain. Yeah, I think there were what one one twenty five or or 150 last year or whatever it was. And so now they're, you know, I know I had to you know, spend more. And I know <laughs> that there are re there are renewals yeah. that are going to be scalped. Yes. And uh, you know, individual tickets might be as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what, how many, how many home games, what's it worked out to what? 10, 12 bucks a game, something like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at, if you're oh, let's, let's take, take the new team. I mean, you've got, what nine Big Ten games and another three or four non-conference games at home, something to that effect. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look through the whole thing, but 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 either way, that yeah, I mean, for an entertainment like this, uh, and especially to watch a Caitlin Clark, a team that went to the championship game last year, the most exciting athlete in college sports. I mean, I I, I do maintain now, I would never publish this pool because it wouldn't come out fair but if you were to ask on a national basis 
Have you heard of Caitlin Clark or Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback won the Heisman? I would maintain Caitlin Clark has more name recognition. And that's, you know, not me being provincial in Iowa, but I think just because maybe it's sort of a litter of litter of name, but also just the fact that she's just that transcendent. But when you look at, yeah, it, it cost us, I don't know, $50, $100 more or whatever, but, but she's just, you gotta pay it. See her. I mean, yeah. she's, just, she's just the the biggest, the biggest game in town. Now, uh, you know, the one drawback was, you know, my, my wife wanted to change seats and that's not going to happen because the renewals are so high and the, and the people wanting new tickets, the demand is so high that it's like, um, not this year. <laughs> so, so we're stuck with the same tickets and uh, behind the basket, but I don't sit there anyway, because I told my <laughs> wife, it feels like work. So, you know, I, I, she brings like a friend or a family member, or maybe our daughter this year. I don't know. Yes. And uh, that season will be interesting to watch. And it's amazing to think that there was a time that they had curtains there too. Uh, drop down at Carver Hawkeye Arena because uh, to make it look more full when the crowds weren't as big. Now, no need for the curtains anymore. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've got most of the schedule here, um, you know, through FOIAs, you know, so I, I know kind of who they're playing and where they're playing. And, and uh, there's only like one more date. And it's Iowa State, oddly enough, but they are playing Iowa State. I checked on it just to make sure. I, I said, okay, Iowa State's the only one that I haven't gotten, um, just to make sure. Because if you don't play them, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we'll play. <laughs> uh, but um, the sixth, they opened the sixth against Fairleigh Dickinson. They they play the 16th, at home, November 16th at home against K-State. The 19th against Drake at home. They go to the Gulf Coast Classic. December 2nd, they play Bowling Green. Uh, the 16th of December, they'll play Cleveland State. And, and they'll, there should probably be a home game, Big Ten game somewhere around there, too. And, and then they'll go into the Big Ten season. So, Where's uh, the Des Moines game? Uh, it's December 16th. Okay. Doubleheader, Cleveland State. And Florida A&M, which is uh, you know, not, not the best opponent in the world. It, it gets to go to both – Iowa and Iowa State, and last year it's uh, uh, net was three fifty nine. Yeah, not good. Three sixty one. So, <laughs> yay! They're gonna go to Des Moines and hey, at least they don't have to change hotels. They go to <laughs> Des Moines and Ames, both. You know, for ass kickings and and money. Yeah, that's the important thing. I mean, they're gonna get you know hundred bucks or something like that. So hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> Uh, let's finish up, Scott, with uh, a story you published today. Who do Iowa fans want to see the Hawkeyes play? Fan picks for each sport. Um, not surprised that. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin the surprise. You you tell people who Iowa football fans want to see them play. It's a. Re- it's really a shocker. Yeah, I'm really surprised that uh, that uh, Iowa fans would like to see him play uh, Notre Dame. You know, that would be. That ranks, you know, I don't know, on the surprise scale, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm surprised um, the sun came out this morning, you know, that type of thing. It, it wasn't even close. I mean, you know, I, I think I had like 115, you know, responses. It was one of those things at the end of the week. I'm like, eh, it's coming up weekend, blah, blah, blah. 
what do you guys think? Who do you like to see play and where would you like, you know, maybe where you'd like to see him play? Notre Dame blew out everybody. Now, there were a lot of other responses, as you can imagine. Colorado got like five, Washington, Missouri, Alabama, LSU. And I think people want to see some of those games on the road. I think that's pretty cool. But Notre Dame was uh, was mentioned quite a bit. And, and uh, you know, there were some interesting spots. Soldier Field, Las Vegas, Dublin, Ireland, um, the Coliseum in Rome. <laughs> and uh you know most wanted a kind of a uh you know home and home i think that would be really cool to go to i've never been into a game there at notre dame stadium but you know the, there's a location that i was kind of intrigued with that i have been for a while and that's munich germany and it doesn't have to be notre dame it could be anybody i, I brought up one time just kind of tongue-in-cheek wisconsin and, and iowa during Oktoberfest at in uh, <laughs> Munich, that could be pretty interesting, but I think uh, you know Munich is to me very fascinating because I don't know if you saw last year uh, when Tristan Wirf's uh, Buccaneers played the Seahawks there. They sold that place out like that. It was just and like this year, I think they're going to Frankfurt and it's sold out. Um, Germans have a big passion for American football, and and I figure you know that'd be that'd be have a lot of pluses for. Iowa, you know, maybe some cooperation between Bavaria and, and the state of Iowa and in commerce and, you know, and then, you know, Iowans for the most part are, you know, I can speak for myself, but certainly is, you know, German is, is the, the largest ancestral group in among Iowans and, you know, there's, you can have some, you know, how about some more schnitzel grouping? <laughs> you know, for a clump. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so I don't know. I, you know, what's the, I mean, with the expanded Big Ten and everything, I just, I, it's nice to dream and it's nice, but at least how things stand now, it's going to be hard to add a marquee non conference opponent as long as Iowa State is on the schedule. And because uh, you don't see them going back to eight, eight, eight game schedule, do you? No, I don't. Big time. I, I mean. No, you know, there's no reason to. I mean, because you're yeah. you're you're getting a lot of money from the TV companies and they yeah. want to see good games and they want to see games that they can control all the time, which are Big Ten, Big Ten, not Big Ten ACC or whatever, right. which falls under other. Now there's there's probably going to be some more cooperation between the Big Ten and Notre Dame because of the NBC agreement, the NBC is going to want to get Notre Dame, uh, you know, to to play more Big Ten games. It's so, probably going to be Michigan though, and you know, well Purdue and Purdue. Michigan State, yeah. you know, but also you know it could be in Iowa. It just I think Iowa could do something like that once. Yeah. I think, you know, one time Iowa can say for the same amount of money that that we get for a home weekend, we could go to London or Munich or Soldier Field and and play a one-off and maybe do it in week zero. And, and I think with an expanded playoff, you could get away with that if you're playing a marquee opponent. If mm-hmm. you're playing Notre Dame on week zero, you know, in a neutral site. Okay. And then, you know, and then there's, and there's more than just, you know, there's competitive factors, but then there's also the responsibility that Iowa feels to its donors to, you know, because there's a lot of people in, in Iowa city that make a lot of money off uh, a home weekend. And if you take one of those away, the hotels, the restaurants, donors lose a lot of money. So they could do that probably one time 
but you can't do that more than once. And or they replace Iowa State, and that's not something that's but at least it was palatable. It wasn't palatable for Barta, and it wasn't palatable for for uh, Ferentz. Who knows? You know, uh, but but you know, so can that happen once? I, I don't see more than once, um, unless the Big Ten says we're you know we're going to demand you do something different, but they're never going to do that. So. Um, you know, or the Big Twelve becomes the Mountain West, yeah. You know, which I still don't see either. I think they're still going to be a highly competitive conference, maybe not with the prime number of teams, but but uh, that was that was just one sport that I mentioned. Um, and I don't know if you have any ideas. You certainly pipe up, but you know, wrestling was one that had some interesting uh, thoughts, and part of it was you know the grapple at the gridiron, and then wrestling at that uh, Texas Rangers ballpark mm-hmm. in Arlington and Grand Central Station about 10 years ago in New York City you know so it's lent itself to somebody else did mention the Coliseum again in Rome and I'm like well why don't you have Mount Olympus while we're at it you know <laughs> um, you know but I'm I'm like what about Alcatraz man I was out there breaking the rock Iowa wrestling against Stanford um, or Battle of Gettysburg, <laughs> you know, with, with Penn State. I don't know if you want to be on a little round top doing that, but, yeah, you know, and, and then a duel at a military base. I, that's something I definitely could see happening. Yeah, you know? for sure. Or, you know, wrestling Navy on an aircraft carrier. Iowa would be all in on that. Yep. And then I, and I also yeah, they've done it for basketball. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. You know, imagine the Navy, but you know, Navy wrestling team or, or go to Fort Bragg or someplace for army, you know, they, yeah, they wrestle wrestling well. too. You could bring multiple teams in and, you know, you, you could make an event out of it. Mm-hmm. Go to the USS Iowa out in LA, you know, yeah. do, do something like that. I think it'd be fun. And I, I don't even know if USC and UCLA have wrestling teams, but <laughs> I know Stanford I does, but I don't think USC and UCLA do, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, and I also brought up, oh, by, by the way, on another note, I'd like to see Northern Iowa and Iowa reignite their series in the future. And I think that's kind of a little silly that they don't wrestle. Um, men's basketball. This is what, uh, maybe I went on a little bit of a tangent here, Rob, and this is related to the schedule. And, you know, we went over it. I bitched about it for a while about they don't play anybody. I quoted Judge Smales saying, you'll get nothing and you'll like it. Talking about <laughs> Iowa fans. <laughs> um, none of the non-conference teams come to, to Carver with lower than a 236. Now, we talked about it last week with John um, about all the, the traffic we get once in a while from people about uh, the Big Four or playing home and home with the in-state teams. I'm kind of agnostic about it. I mean, I I, I look at it and say it's not Iowa's responsibility to make the other teams feel good about themselves. But if you're going to play, if every single home team coming to Carver has lower than a 230 as a worse 236, um, you know, net, then, you, then maybe you, you need to take that on the chin a little bit and say, all right, well, if you're not going to play anybody good, then maybe it's time to, to go back to playing Drake and you and I, and, uh, so I crabbed a little bit about that too. Uh, and I also dinged Iowa state because they deserve it equally. They, they were just as pathetic as Iowa. What was the feedback on Iowa basketball just in terms of the, so you, did you solicit uh, recommendations for who they'd like to see Iowa basketball play? Cause it, I, I feel like basketball 
they do that more than football. You get a little bit more odd matchups just because there are so many teams and so many events and they play so many games. It's harder for football. Yeah, it is. And yeah, football is hard because you have a finite amount of games, yeah. you know, nine in the big 10, 12 overall. And then you have the Iowa state and then it's like, you know, nobody plays 11 power five. I mean, there's like three or four teams that play 11 power fives. Um, so what people had asked about were home and homes of like Arizona and Kansas, um, going to the Palestra to play the great Alaska shootout battle for Atlantis. So it was really more about just, you know, it wasn't as detailed certainly as wrestling or, or, um, football, which kind of, I think is a concern that people aren't quite as invested in some of these things, but, but I think, and when, when we look at the ACC Big Ten Challenge going away, it opens up the possibility of playing somebody like that. And so, because I mean, they've played Duke, they've played North Carolina. I yeah. mean, they've played some of those blue blood teams. They've played Kansas, although it's been quite a while. They'll get yeah. UCLA now. Yeah, you'll get UCLA. You'll have marquee in conference teams. So you know, there's kind of the the fact of you know playing Michigan State at home is not is a marquee game. Playing you want, you want me to throw mine out there? Yeah, go for it. It's Missouri. Yeah. I mean, that one was fun. I mean, it's a it's a relatively short trip for fans of both schools to be able to travel to the other one. Mm-hmm. Seems like a natural to me. Or Kansas. I mean, Kansas is fine, too. Yeah, it's not that much further. It's probably an easier drive, even though it's yeah. a little longer. I mean, Columbia, is. Uh, I've been there a million times. But, you know... I, there's other, you know, people were a little, some were provincial. They wanted Cal State Bakersfield as they live in California and, and stuff like that. But, but really it's Hawaii, you know, yeah. but, you know, but going to Maui is not a bad idea. Once in a while, Kentucky was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I think there's opportunities there and, you know, Kansas, Missouri, they're regional, you know, Creighton's a good game. You're going, but, but again, it's on the road. You're not bringing those games to Car Rock Irena, where you're you're asking your fans to pay money. Now the Big Ten, and next year, as you mentioned it, when you if you get UCLA and Maryland and Michigan State and Indiana and Wisconsin and Ohio State and stuff at home, yeah, that's quality right there, no question. But you also want variety, and you want you know, and and it's really unfortunate the year that they played North Carolina in the in the Big Ten ACC Challenge then nobody could watch it. But, you know, like last year playing Duke in Madison Square Garden was great, but it's a Madison Square Garden. Right. You know, you just, you got to do something for your fans. Um, women's basketball, probably more ideas passed on that. Um, it, was, it usually was brought up playing LSU, South Carolina, or UConn. Yeah. But Iowa did play all three of them last year. Um, you know, some fans brought up playing them in Maui, New York City, Rucker Park. Um Here's one idea that I had, and this was organize a CW and Stringer Classic in either Brooklyn or Madison Square Garden on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You honor a coaching legend, and you bring in, say, six to eight elite women's programs to play consecutively on a holiday. You honor, so you're honoring an all-time great at a main location. It can be televised, and then you bring in Iowa, LSU, Yukon, South Carolina, Indiana, who's really good, you know, just whoever, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, you know, uh, Rutgers because of, you know, Vivian Stringer, whatever. I think to me, 
that would be a great way to honor her and also bring her up. But, um, and then have a, have a quality tournament. Because I think if you're getting into January, that's the problem with a lot of these exempt tournaments, in my yeah. opinion, Rob, when they're in November and December, nobody's watching. Yeah. You know, they're just there, you know, it's, it, if the game's on a Sunday, it's NFL season if the games on a Saturday, you still got college football overtones. Yeah. So, so uh, baseball, um, there was uh, field of dreams was brought up, but the problem is with field of dreams, as you can imagine, <laughs> If you were to play that in the spring, I can't think of a more miserable place on earth to play baseball. Can you imagine the wind? <laughs> yeah, you don't have the corn to block the wind. I know. You know, in March or April, well, let's say mid-April, and it's an average day, which would be like 51 degrees with 15 to 20 mile an hour winds with no corn blocking it. <sighs> Give me, you know, I'd rather not play than play there. So, you know, aesthetically, what I, it's not the same either. It no. doesn't, it's nothing like you're just, it looks like you're out in the middle of a field with nothing in it. Yeah, it sucks. So, what I said was, yes, it's not the, the time of year you'd want to, but why not have a fall ball tournament or a fall ball classic in October? Yeah. The, game, the games don't count on the record, but if you were to have two or three days worth of baseball games involving eight, teams maybe six or so from the big 10 and maybe a couple others and um then you have you know call it like the golden harvest field of dreams classic or something like that then you could have you could see the the corn before it gets harvested it's got a, its own little ambiance um then you're playing at field of dreams and it feels like a, a, little, yeah. a fun event you know and and spread the love it doesn't have to be iowa just iowa you know you can have minnesota and, and nebraska you know i'm sure they would enjoy it or northwestern and you know co and dubuque and loris or something like that so anyway i that's kind of what i would do and btn would love it you yeah know, on, a, on a sunday afternoon and the, the first or second week of october and you can air that so and finally i just you know there was a couple of people brought up other sports and uh Olympic sports that were eliminated got brought up <laughs> that I just want to see a swimming duel. I just want to see this. Um, and I kind of made my own plug that I really like to see men swimming and diving return. You know, it's, Do you get a sense that that's possible or there's a chance, there's a chance that it could happen with the new AD and I don't know, maybe some reorganization. I, I wouldn't see why there wouldn't be an opportunity to, to revisit it. Yeah. Now, gymnastics to me, I don't, I don't know that that's feasible for a lot of reasons because you start looking at. I was surprised it lasted as long as it did. Um, when you look at men's tennis, maybe, but but swimming and diving to me, that was the one that like cut. It was like you know the butterfly stroke was invented in, in yeah. Iowa, and um, they've had you know his, history there, you know championships and gold medal or Olympic medals and stuff and. And you already have a great pool and, you know, I, I can't imagine that it would, you know, I think this is one opportunity that whether it's Beth Getz or whoever follows Gary Barta. And if, if people want to return these, they have an opportunity to say, we will help endow this position and pay this and, yeah. and do that. I think, I think there's an opportunity. What, how much of a percentage chance would I give it Rob? 5%, but that's more than I would with Gary Barta. <laughs> yeah it's tough to bring sports back man yeah. once you once you take them down so yeah i know there's 
there's still a group out there that were that's still pushing. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're pushing pretty, still pretty hard on, <laughs> on Twitter, but I, I will say, you know, uh, you know, there's the ice hockey crowd. That's not going to happen. Just let that one go. Um, I like you know, to watch the people skate over at Coral Ridge. Yeah. And I like watching the club hockey. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, but you know, men's soccer, if there's a, if there's a sport that actually makes more sense to me is men's soccer. If you're going to add a men's sport, but frankly, men's swimming and diving is the one that I would say, yeah, that you already got the infrastructure in place and the history there. If, if that group can raise enough money and keep it financially viable, you know, it might be worth looking at in the future. I, you know, but I'm not, I'm not the AD. I don't have, you know, and, uh, one of the things that, as we know, reason why that they're not going to add an ice hockey program or whatever is because you need that money to remain competitive in your main sports. Yeah. And if you can't pay for one assistant football coach that you need. if, if And it, hockey is expensive. Mm-hmm. People Everybody don't realize how expensive it is. I've, uh, it, it cost the combined total um, in the red $16 million for the Big Ten's programs including with minnesota and all the others so um if i was to add that and you're losing money you're not making money probably a couple million two million for men and probably four for women and oh by the way that means you can't afford to keep phil parker as your defensive coordinator because of that you've just killed your program so whereas you said money. soccer you've have a you have a really nice facility you've mm-hmm. put some money into um cost would be much less yeah and you've got, and the, the other thing with, you know, with swimming partially soccer for sure is you've got a, you've got a local recruiting base yep. and, you know, with soccer, you could probably, I don't, I don't even know the scholarships for men's, but half of them could probably come from this region, you know, anywhere from yeah. Chicago to, to the Missouri river. Um, you could have a lot of walk-ons, which means more students mm-hmm. um, paying their own way. And, and so I don't know. I mean, half shit, probably three quarters of your scholarship people could be from the Chicago suburbs to St. Louis to Omaha area, you know, just in that diamond shaped region or whatever to Minneapolis. A good piece uh, that Scott posted today on the athletic. Check that out. He's got a bunch of other stories on there. That's uh, it's a time of the podcast where I uh, encourage folks to, excuse me, subscribe to The Athletic. It's a great value. Uh, You get a lot of stuff for your buck, Um, Very, including Scott's stuff. Start there and then whatever your sport is, auto racing, golf, uh, (laughs) whatever it is, The Athletic's got you covered uh, all over the country and even out of the country with some uh, soccer, uh, Mm -hmm. international soccer. I don't do that, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, So check that out. And uh, we will be back next week. Do we forget anything? I always have to ask Scott if we forgot anything. Do we forget anything this week? Uh, I don't think so. I had a piece on LeVar Woods a couple days ago. Yep, uh, check that out. And uh, just there's a lot of discussion and traffic as to whether he, he, want, he said he wants to be a head coach. And that's a, a kind of a fascinating discussion because a lot of people feel strongly about LeVar that he should follow Kirk Ferentz. Uh, that is a separate discussion to me, but I think one that he should be entertained as, as a possibility for sure. 
um, whether or not he would be the best choice that that remains to be determined. But but I think you can't disagree at all with the results that he's had in the position groups he's coached and with the people that he's touched while he's there. They all feel very strongly about him. So, um, you know, I, I published that on Sunday, but, yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to take a look at that piece. Yeah, he would definitely be a candidate. It's just a matter of who who are the other candidates, and he is he the best among them? And that's yeah. uh, that's something we're going to probably get to uh, sooner rather than yeah. later because Kirk can't go forever, or maybe he can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, you know what? This is year twenty five. He's two wins away from career win number two hundred. Um, they should have a good team. What does that mean? It could be nothing. You know, I, he's. He's never been one that's been hung up on hey, the 11 and two year is better than the eight and five year. Um, but because sometimes it feels more rewarding for him to go eight and five with a team that's deficient than, you know, even winning 10 or 11 games with a team that's got more potential. But, but I anyway. get the sense that we're not going to get a lot of lead into his retirement announcement. I think he's going to, he's not going to re- announce it that, you know, prior to his final season and do a victory tour. Um, you know, I, 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 maybe he does do that, but I think it's just going to be like, we're going to hit November or December. Maybe he lets the university know. So the university has a heads up, but I'm not sure we hear, uh, 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 we have a lot of leeway into his announcement. If I was just make a guess, Rob, it's probably similar to what we dealt with, with Hayden Fry yeah. way back when, which is, and I'm not saying that they're going to have a bad year and that's going to kind of, you know, precipitate it, but you know, there'll probably be rumors, discussions, more rumors, speculation, more and more and more and more. And then finally kind of shutting it down and um, you know, maybe gets a bowl game or something like that to compete in one last chance, but it, it's, it's a weird, it's a tough scenario, you know, somebody like that, who's your all-time winningest coach who's third in big 10 victories to have them, you know, but it, it, we, we still could be, he's still got what five plus years left on his contract. So, yep. you know, he's, he's a young 68 as opposed to me feeling like an old 49er. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's gonna, um, he's gonna coach this season and that's all I'm looking at. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm worried about right now is the season ahead. Yeah. When you get to be our age, Rob, us old dudes, it's, it's, we're less and less looking at the future and more and more looking at the present. So. Take them one at a time. Who yeah. knows when I'm done with this? It could yeah. be, it could be tomorrow as well. So uh, hopefully not. And hopefully we're back next week to talk on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. Hopefully, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be on threads by then. I'm going to, I'm wrestling with it. We'll see. I may, if you see me on threads, you know, I gave in to the peer pressure. It took me about 10 minutes to decide, all right, I'll just go ahead and jump over there, you know, and, and, you know, it might be the life raft off the, the wreck of the Elon Musk Gerald. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I still find it hard to believe that Twitter's going away, but we'll see. There's a lot of weird shit that goes on in the world these days that I don't see coming. So after what happened last weekend, it's just unpredictable. And that's yeah. the sad part. So no doubt, but you'll find us somewhere and you'll yeah. find this Hawk, I hotspot podcast on Hawk fanatic and all your, uh, your different platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever the hell it is these days. Uh, you'll be able to find this podcast, our flagship podcast with Pat Hardy, 
is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I do the mailbag on Tuesdays. Scott and I are here on Thursdays, so you get a Hawk-centric podcast every day of your business week. Uh, and then we have some additional podcasts in there. Dallas Jones does a podcast. I do the Prospect podcast that I talked about earlier. So we got you covered for Hawkeye Sports on our podcast feed. So check us out, subscribe, hit the like button, all that shit that the kids say. Uh, have, have at it. But uh, we thank everybody for listening. Thank you to all of our sponsors, especially for helping us bring you these podcasts for free. Hope you guys have a good rest of your week and weekend. And Scott and I will be back to talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.